Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to be talking about spectrums and humidity and mobile phones. That's an interesting mix. But before we dive into that topic, let's take a moment to talk about oh, just weather in general. I had some thunderstorms this week, finally, for... I guess a good thunderstorm for the first time in a while. And it was at night. So even though the event wasn't particularly bad around right where I was, there was some distant storm. So I was able to get a good light show. And I always like that at night. Good lightning storm. Now, I don't, hopefully no one got injured by it, but I enjoy the visual aspect of a, of a good thunderstorm. And certainly the noise that, that comes with it and I don't know it's refreshing now some some folks not too far away got the storm a little earlier still during daylight hour so there were some great rainbow photos that I that I saw on social media but I also had some friends who sent one from from a home and actually if if you're on Patreon or you go to the Patreon page for this episode you will see a, a nice photo provided by some good friends that they were willing to share and allow me to share with you guys as part of the cover art for this week. So thank you. Another interesting thing that happened was a tropical cyclone, Marriage in the Heavens. Amanda and Cristobal. And you're probably going, Mark, what in the world are you talking about? Well, we had an interesting event happen this week, and it can happen this time of year. This is the time of year where, if it's going to happen, this is usually when we see it. We don't often see tropical cyclones move from one ocean basin to another. But every so often this time of year, with the way weather patterns set up, we can see weather that flows from the Pacific Ocean into the Atlantic Ocean in over parts of Central America, particularly in the kind of the skinny area of Mexico, where it's very close to the Gulf of Mexico. And, you know, it's right off the Pacific Ocean on the other side. And we had a tropical storm in the Pacific called Amanda. And Amanda moved inland. And the energy from Amanda turned around and did its thing, moved overland and into the Gulf of Mexico, into the Atlantic Ocean Basin, and has reformed as Tropical Storm Cristobal. Now, as I'm recording this, the storm has moved inland, but it's supposed to kind of get its act together and move back over water as well and track towards the United States coast over the next week or so. So hopefully it won't become too big of a problem, but it was interesting that, I don't know, these, these two names, and I, you know, I've, I've watched this sort of energy move take place before. I don't recall if two named storms came out of it. I'm sure it has at some point in the, ha- in the past, but my recollection was most of the time it's been like a tropical depression on one side or something without a name and, and, or it becomes something weak on the other side and never quite gets its act together as much. So that, that was kind of a, a unique thing that caught my attention this past week, but enough about the weather. I, I'm, well, I did, I finally broke down air conditioning went on this week, been dealing with humidity. And so, yeah, I thought what a great time to pick up a topic, which I know has something to do with humidity and you're going to wonder, okay, Mark, how many minutes is it going to take you to get, well, it's going to take a little bit because we're going to talk a little bit about technology first, but let's talk about spectrums and mobile phones and why 5G, that wonderful new thing you're, everybody's trying to sell it to you, might be ruining your weather forecast. 
Now, I've talked about mobile phones and the idea of how they could help improve weather forecasting in the past. It's been a few years. But the idea of what these mobile devices could measure for us with so many people carrying them around, it's, a, it's an upside of their existence. But not uncommon when we deal with new technologies and new ways of trying to enhance these devices that all of us have become dependent on. There's the potential for some negative elements of that. No, and I'm not talking about people getting hung up on too much time in social media or whatever it might be. I'm talking about real world ramifications when it, when it comes to, in this case, how we measure a critical element for weather forecasting and the potential to impact that. So let's talk about 5G for a little bit first before we go too far. Now, 5G just, you know, acronyms can kind of become confusing, but this one in this case just stands for fifth generation. It's the fifth generation of mobile communication, if you will. So we've, we've all heard, particularly since about the 3G day, 3G, 4G, you know, all, of, all these companies sell you different things. But the idea is at least it provides a standard by which there can be interaction between the different companies, but also a way to compare them more legitimately with one another and a way to define, you know, a, a, a communication method so the different mobile makers can make phones, etc. Now, it's not to say it's always that simple because it never is. But that's the fundamental idea. And you may have heard 5G mentioned before in your home with Wi-Fi. Completely different thing, right? That's where I get into us technology folks trying to create a standard, but our naming conventions could use some help still. So a few years ago, we all got started seeing 5G, maybe in your Wi-Fi, you know, router equipment at home. And that's a different thing. That 5G referred to the five gigahertz range. And we'll talk more about gigahertz and frequency in a little bit, but just know that it's a whole different G. But let's talk about it from the cellular network, mobile network kind of standpoint and really what it's supposed to do and why it's such a, a good thing before we talk about the potential impact on weather. Wrap it up in three things. Theor theoretically, it's faster, it's wider, and it's snappier. But think about it this way. Think about a, a car or any vehicle going down a road. So... If it can go faster because the road's in better condition, maybe it's straighter, it's well-paved, well-maintained, you can get from point A to point B quicker. Same with information, right? Wider. It means not only can you do it, but the person next to you can do it and the person next to them and so on and so on. So the more people that can go really fast, again, the more throughput of information from point A to point B. But there's this last piece, and it may be the most important piece, and it has to do, I'm calling it snappier, but it, it has to do with what we call latency. And when you have high latency, it generally means that you send off a request and you've got to wait a long time for your answer to come back. And maybe you've seen this before when you're out surfing the internet, right? You type in a website name and it seems to take forever, but eventually the answer comes back to you or the website comes back to you. Sometimes it seems like it's it's not a problem and other times it seems like it does. Well, Sometimes it doesn't matter, but at other times, as you can imagine, it does. Let's say you're doing a, a web call with somebody, you know, a video meeting like we're all getting used to now. So you're doing that 
And if you have high latency, you'll notice it sometimes. Now, the technologies have worked to try to reduce that through some, I want to call it some Wizard of Oz, Oz stuff behind the scenes where they, they make it feel like it's more real time, even though you have some latency. But we will have all seen it. I, I was part of a webinar this week where I watched and some of the hosts, it was very quick when they'd hand it off from one host to the other, whereas others that host seemed to sit there, the the one that it had been transferred to for 10 seconds before they responded and started their communication. And that's because they were still receiving their intro to start speaking. Well, that's not a real smooth thing. So what 5G is going to give us is a way to improve upon that and improve upon it with our mobile phones. This, in theory, allows us to basically do everything we see at our best when we've got these traditional hardwired networks in the palm of our hand. And it's going to provide, in theory, again, real opportunity for that mobile device you carry to replace all the other methods that you've used in the past. Videos become, we've gotten used to them being faster and faster on our mobile devices. You won't notice the difference between that and maybe when you're used to streaming it at home. Doing things like virtual reality and augmented reality, doing things like these video conferences, not running to any challenges where we're either having to wait for things to buffer or there's too much of a lag in the communication. There's nothing more distracting when you're trying to have an important conversation and you know, you're waiting for that your words to reach someone else so that they can respond, it can get annoying. But just imagine if all that went away, right? Imagine the idea that you sent off, you, you need some big computation done and you're, you're asking, the request is coming from your phone, but it's going to cloud computing and the interaction with that cloud computing is so fast and it's on such a broad highway with such fast speeds, but that there's no lag between the request and the processing and back to you, that it almost feels like you're doing it on your phone. You know, we're used to that now where we're all doing these things, whether it's interacting with a bank, whether it's ordering, you know, stuff online, whatever it might be. We've gotten used to those transactions and sometimes we see these big delays and it can be frustrating. But if you no longer have a sense of that, it's going to transform our ability to do certain things technology-wise that require that real-time response. Whether it's autonomous cars out in the world or autonomous vehicles of any type, if there's no lag, there's no wait for this vast amount of information that might need to go back and forth, we'll be able to achieve things with technology that we just haven't been able to do up to this point. So that's great. All that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But what's this got to do with spectrums? And what does this have to do with weather? Well, very simply put, let, let's talk about spectrums for a minute. Just make sure that I'm on the same page as everybody else out there. And let's use that rainbow example. I talked about rainbows. We're all used to the rainbow spectrum. Purple on one side, red on the other. Now, as most of us know, on the other side of that purple visible light, the visible spectrum is actually very small for, from what we know in our un understanding of electromagnetic spectrum. We've got ultraviolet, for instance, on the other side, right? Not good stuff. Well, it's, it's important, but it can also be dangerous to us. Burns things really well. And on the other side, we have infrared, right? 
And we'll talk a little bit more about infrared when it comes to the weather component. But, but we know we have these non-visible components on the other side. And the spectrum is really defined and is a measure of the electromagnetic spectrum, right? That's what, that's what we're talking about. And I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go look at, look at it if you need a refresher. Most of this has got, have gotten these sort of things in some science course we had in the past. Maybe we didn't all hold on to it. I know some people are into it more than others. But when I mentioned earlier about that five gigahertz, we, we really, when we're talking about spectrum, there's two terms you hear a lot, wavelength and frequency. And frequency just happens to coincide with wavelength because the longer the wavelength, usually the lower the frequency, right? Matter of fact, should always be the case. But the idea is when I talk about a five gigahertz in your Wi-Fi, that just has to do with how frequent the waves are, right? And this holds true with this 5G technology in how it's being deployed. So some of it uses spectrum space that we already have and frequencies that it's already used to communicating at, the cell towers that already exist today. But as you can imagine, it's not, it, or it shouldn't surprise you to know that when we're deploying things in that existing spectrum, at some point you're going to reach a, a boundary in which it's hard to get increases in speed. All right, or it may not be possible to make that road wider, if you will, which is something we need to change if we want to enhance that technology. So for 5G, they've looked at new spectrums. One of them is a step up to some of the space that you know we are used to using for you know mobile phones that we held in our hands for many years inside our homes or the Wi-Fi technology. So it's within that range. It's, again, not necessarily the same spectrum, but it's in that same space. But some of it, so it, they have it like a low, which is where they are now, medium, which is that space, and then a high frequency range, which gets into the double digits, the 20s, the 30s, and so on. And that is where the rub comes in, all right? And you're going to say, well, why? What does this have to do with weather? Or more specifically, what does it have to do with measuring weather? All right, high frequencies, better for this 5G technology. It does have some limits. Usually the higher the frequency you go, the, the harder it is for that wave to transfer anything inside a building. So you may not see it as much for the use inside your home or you know, going from outside to inside, but communicating from point A to point B in, in line of sight, it's going to be great. Again, send vast amounts of information. That's why you would think about it from, you know, one tower to another or, or between your mobile device and the tower on the outside. But again, what's it got to do with weather? Why, why do the weather people care? Why did this become a big thing? Well, it's pretty simple. Most measurements of water vapor that we get today happen in this one of these frequency ranges, again, in the double digits. It's where most of the satellites that gather that information for us, it's in one of these frequencies because that happens to be where water vapor shows up in the spectrum, right? Just like we have visible light in a certain area, water vapor shows up as being measurable in a certain spectrum. Now, the 5G technology has been proposed to use 
part of a spectrum that's not the same as that. I mean, it's not like they went and said, okay, we're going to overwrite that. But it's, it's very close to it. And the real concern is that you have bleed through. And again, I'm going to give you a Wi-Fi example. If you ever had Wi-Fi network and maybe you're in a, in a building with other routers, whether it's an office building, apartment building, whatever it is, and you've noticed that your network interferes with the neighboring network, and so you try to find a different, you know, you, you tweak yours or they may tweak theirs to not overlap one another. Because when I'm trying to do something, if my signals get lost with somebody else trying to do it, neither one of us get what we're looking for. And the same thing here. It's not that it's necessarily exactly the same, but you do get bleed through from one spectrum to another, and that's what you're trying to avoid. The challenge is 5G and the spectrums that were opened up for it include some of these areas that are very important for measuring water vapor in the atmosphere. So you're going to say to me, okay, why, why does it matter? Why is it that important? Well, it's kind of critical. Just think if I couldn't measure the humidity in the atmosphere, how much your weather forecast might be impacted. You're going to say, well, but you got the temperature. You know, you know those things. You know the wind speed. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, great. That's fine and dandy. But as I, you know, turned on the air conditioning this week and I could tell instantaneously from when that cranked on almost how the humidity level started to change. But just think about all the things we do. You ever try to do something that... When it's nice and dry out, you know, it, you may be building something or cooking something or whatever it is. It comes out perfectly, and then you try to do it again when it's humid and it's just a, it's just a hot mess. Well, <laughs> that's true, right, of many things, and it impacts us in what may seem like trivial things like that. But we've talked about it before, about the stress it causes on your, your body when you're outside you know, in the summertime trying to do anything when it's particularly humid versus when it's dry. And it's not just the things we do as individuals. I mean, it, tropical cyclone forecasting, classic example of that one of the things we always are looking for is something we call drier intrusion because it can, it can help dissipate a tropical cyclone or have a big impact on the strength or intensity of how much moisture is available to feed that tropical cyclone. And if I can't get an accurate measurement of that, then my forecasting is going to be impacted. So it's a real deal. It's a real potential problem. And as the analysis of this was going on over the past you know, year and a half or so, different agencies have been looking at to the potential impact. And NOAA even did an examination and found that up to 77% of the water vapor measurements that we get today could be impacted by allowing the 5G to use the spectrum because there was originally they were talking about were they even going to make this spectrum available by allowing them to use this spectrum to put the communications in. Because what you got to keep in mind is when, when you're doing a measurement, you're looking for something in that space. And if there's communications or information, if you will, our information is flowing, but it's an electromagnetic signal. So if it's flowing in this other spectrum and bleeding over, there's the potential to really impact the measurement. And if I can't accurately tell you how much water vapor there is in the air, it's, it, it's, it's not just about you at, at a 
particular point in time, that's going to impact the ability to forecast down the, the road, whether it's something as simple as your daily forecast or whether it's something as potentially life-altering as you know tropical cyclone forecast and lead time on those forecasts. And some of the initial projections are as a decrease in forecasting capability by as much as 30%. Now, do I think that there's grandstanding on both sides? Of do I think that's an extreme end of the of the spectrum, if you will, of how bad things get? Sure. Do I think it's going to get that bad? No. But I also know how important water vapor is to everything we do. It's it's how we it's it's the major greenhouse gas of this planet. I mean, you always hear about these other chemicals that we throw up there, but just water vapor alone. Just think about how much different your weather is on a cloudy day versus not cloudy day. Well, if I don't know how much water vapor there is in the air, I can't even begin to think about forecasting the clouds as effectively. And the bigger challenge is not so much of just impacting the measurement. It's impacting in a way that may not be consistent. So how do you solve it, right? That's that's the bigger thing is, is there a way to move forward that everybody can win? It, it may be possible, but it may also not be that that simple because the noise signal may not always look the same. Could we use artificial intelligence and big data to try to work towards that? Sure, there is. But it's still going to require being able to find a repeatable signal. And maybe you can by times of day. You know that there's going to be more or less information going on in that bleed over. It's possible. I even saw a write-up of a suggestion that maybe they would turn off 5G as the satellites passed overhead. Now, one, there's a lot of satellites, so I don't know how feasible that is. Because most of what we're talking about, we still get off um, polar orbiting satellites, which don't stay in a single position in the sky. They they truly orbit at a higher speed. And there's multiple ones that go around the planet. And they kind of feed us this sort of constant information, as you will. But that would require a lot of on and off. But, you know, maybe it's possible. Maybe you flip the switch for a minute every so often. But can you imagine if you're in the middle of your video call that needs no latency and all of a sudden they flip the switch and you go back to major latency when you're in the middle of uh, working a deal, asking somebody to marry you, whatever it might be, anything important like that may not be as simple as that. But water vapor is critical, just like temperature. If I can't measure that, it will impact the forecast. How much? I don't know. Time will tell. Is it going to be as bad as some of the studies? I hope not. Do I think it will be? Probably not. But I also I also saw a headline written that said that 5G won't ruin your weather forecast. Well, that's, that's naive. It was a very bad headline because if you read the article, they acknowledged that it might. The answer is we don't know. And the reality is they've talked about making the potential risk being reined in in about seven years. I think the, I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm going to probably misguess the year cause I don't have that in front of me, but it was like 2027 that they were going to say, okay, we're going to make the, the potential for bleed more stringent. So it's less likely to have an impact. Well, it, we never go back, do we? <laughs> we always move forward. So I'd like to think that that'll happen, but I also know that there's a long time between point A and point B. And I hope 5G works. I mean, I, I think the potential, you know, the technology part of me just loves the idea of 5G and what it can do for us. But the weather side of me does have real concerns about the potential 
for impacting forecast quality. Hopefully we'll figure out a way to deal with it that everybody can live with. But for now, the agreement that's been put forward and was agreed upon in the fall, an international body got together. Uh, it, it was a placeholder. I'm sure both sides weren't happy. I know the weather side wasn't happy. I'm sure the the people deploying 5G don't like the constraints that are being put on them. But but life's always that way, right? It's never about simple things. We'll see where this goes. I hope the impacts are not as drastic as they're being proposed. Because I don't know anybody out there who really wants a weather forecast as bad as they were. The, the, you know, the comparison was the quality of weather forecast in 1980. I know people listen to this that aren't, weren't even born in 1980, so you don't even know what the difference would be. But for those of us who can think back 30-plus years ago, almost 40 years ago, and think about the quality of the weather forecast and how much they've changed over time, just think about all the things we do today that have become more and more dependent on being able to know a certain amount about the weather that we didn't used to be able to forecast well. So let's hope it doesn't get there and let's hope we can move forward and, and find a, a spectrum solution that everybody can live with. Now, I had somebody ask, why are rainbows curved? I have, this is not a new question to me, and I never give a good answer. So I'm going to put a thing in the, in the show notes about that. So for all of you who, who haven't had enough spectrums, if you want to read about why rainbows are curved, you can go do that. But the, the short answer is we tend to think in straight lines in 2D space, but much of what we do is in 3D. So go take a look at that. Get into them. Now, before I close out and say goodbye, let me remind you about the Patreon tax. Thanks again for all of you who are supporting the podcast. Patreon.com slash weather. I think that's what the link is. I guess I should confirm that again. I'll type that in while I'm doing this here. Patreon.com slash weather. It's always good when I put something in the podcast and then after the fact, I'm trying to remember if that's the case. But nonetheless, they are doing the sales tax uh, change. That will happen starting July 1st, but that's just a quick reminder. Yes, patreon.com slash weather is indeed where the forecast is. And you can find that rainbow picture that I mentioned. You can always get me, what is it about the weather at gmail.com. You can follow me individually, Mark underscore Jelinek at Twitter. Uh, that's, you know, good ways to watch out what I'm doing. Stay in touch. Give me feedback, give me show ideas, whatever you want to ask a question. Ask a question about rainbows. <laughs> and I may defer you or punt. Or I may, you know, bring it up in the podcast. Who knows? But I like interacting with you guys, so don't hesitate to reach out. So until next time, until next time, let us all remember there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>